Of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 64.2, and we're continuing and finishing our playthrough of Alan Wake. Uh, today I have with me Sophie. What's up? Nothing much. Finished a, a, a weird game. Well, well, I put it this way it wasn't weird until the very end. Yeah, I agree. It got progressively weirder, like in a short space of time. Yeah. I felt. And I feel like they did they they did this crazy info dump in the last probably two hours of this game, when you didn't really get that much information throughout the beginning of it. Um, yeah. And then the info that they gave you was like, huh? So yeah, I I kind of agree. I like without getting into too much detail. Like, I do feel like the beginning of the game was stronger narratively when but then i guess you can't really have a story that continues that way indefinitely right where you're just not sure what's going on so i don't know the pacing was a bit weird but yeah yeah the pacing's definitely an issue in this game there was a definite shift in kind of direction and general wtf-ness in these last two episodes yeah so the last thing we did was that we, uh, Alan and, uh, Barry got drunk at the, uh, at the old men's house and they listened to a record that detailed a, uh, the woman of light or the lady of light. That's what it is. Lady the, of light. The lady of light. And Alan's like, that's it. I have to go find the lady of light. In the well lit room, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's a literal description of the plot, by yeah, the way. Yeah, <laughs> and um, there is a kind of a twist at the very end of that episode where uh, Detective Nightingale shows up. The most underrated character of this whole game. Yeah, the unsung hero. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, not really. Yeah. But he uh, he's there at the house. and He, he o- fancies himself, though, doesn't he? Like a real anti-hero. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like this guy sits and watches Breaking Bad and is like, this is, yeah, I'm like Walter White of the FBI or some such kind of. Yeah. But he's not. <laughs> he's so lame and dumb and gung-ho about everything. So, uh, But he arrests Barry and, uh, and Alan, puts them in the uh, county jail. Or the Bright Falls Jail, I should say. And uh, do they say what state this takes place? Washington? 
Or yeah, I think Washington. Was it Washington? Okay. Bright Falls, Washington. Well, no, I don't know. Like, was it? Like, or did we just kind of think, I, I feel like we had a conversation at the beginning of this series where we said it looked a bit Washington, Oregon, Montana-y kind of. Yeah, somewhere around in there. Yeah, in the Rockies. Yeah, we did have yeah. that conversation. Uh, I don't think they specify the state. We can go with Washington. Yeah. Like. Okay. Well, um, so we're now in, in lockup. Uh, but, uh, we're not there for very long. Um, coming over a hangover, Barry's like, "We gotta, we gotta figure out something, man, because this is, this is really messed up." And Alan's like, "I gotta go. I gotta go find the well lit room and the Lady of Light." To which everybody's like, "You're fucking insane at this point." Um, but luckily, um, the sheriff is there along with Nightingale. And we do get another of your favorite moments where Nightingale calls Alan Multiple. as many literary names as he can. Multiple. He ends it with Stephen King, finally. Yeah. Finally gives out Stephen King. And he's, like, getting very flustered. Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. <laughs> Hemingway. H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, yeah, so Hemingway stupid. to Lovecraft to King. Like, that is quite the trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> He just like I, I don't know. He just names all of them. There was a couple of them I didn't recognize. I'm like because I'm not much of a reader. Um, but <laughs> yeah. So um, but here's what happens. Um, Alan convinces the uh, sheriff to let him go uh, because the lights go out while they're in jail, and he's like, "Look, we have to get out of here. The darkness is coming." And it's going to take all of us if we don't get the hell out of here. She's already seen some weird stuff. So she's like, okay, I'm going to believe you. Which Nightingale's going nuts over. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, uh, as, uh, she opens the, um, as she opens the, the, the cell door, Nightingale pulls out his gun and is getting really pissed off. Of course he is. Like, that's his default move. Yeah. And then um, the darkness busts through the uh, entrance and pulls him in. So bye-bye, Nightingale. R.I.P. We yep. hardly knew ye. Yep. He is completely gone. And Alan's like, okay, for real, we got to get out of here. We got to go find the Lady of Light. And that becomes the main crux of this episode is traveling to the well-lit room. Yeah. I the, the whole combat thing was starting to just get a bit boring for it me. Is. It really What's is. The end of this? Like, these two episodes were kind of short, which I liked, because, you know, I would have really hated it if they'd drawn it out any longer, but it, like I said before about the pacing, you kind of have this little scene, and then it's just, it's almost like a bit of a cheap setup to get Alan to kind of traverse some local geography, fight off some Taken, too many sort of set pieces, and, like, just kind of defend this point while I open the door to the church, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just, it was frustrating, because it was just kind of, yeah, it, it felt redundant, you know? It yeah. didn't feel like, it didn't feel like it fit, it just felt a bit kind of awkward and, Linear, I it, guess. Yeah, it felt a little bit like padding. Yeah. Trying to get from one place to another, and then something happens, and now you have to get to another place to another place. Well, and also there's not much 
Like, I don't mind the mechanics of the combat, but there's not much variation, right? Like, you don't have any kind of... You can't take cover or or go up or down, like, different levels. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no kind of... No sniping. There's no variation to the weapons, really. It's literally just, like, shine the light, shoot a shotgun, throw yeah. a flash. That's it. You know, there's no kind of... There's no strategy, really. No. To the fighting. In, in these episodes, at least. Yeah. And this is basically, we're going through the town that has been taken by the darkness. And it's Barry and the, the sheriff, for the most part. Um, Barry finally, uh, he hunkers down in a, 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 a goods store and finds um, the headlamp. Yeah. And he he's also, so pleased with himself. He's so pleased with himself. He says that his uh, his burning light of Mordor, yeah. or his burning eye of Mordor, and uh, he also um, wraps Christmas lights around him. So he looks like an idiot running around. But uh, you know, yeah. it, it's just so Barry. He owns it. It's, Didn't Alan say like he wanted his own headlamp, and Barry was like, "Hell no, this is mine." Yeah, this is the last one. So, uh, yeah, um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get to the fire station because there's a emergency helicopter there. Yeah. And that will take us to, we can then use that to get to the power plant or the, the water. Is it the power plant or the water treatment plant? It's, it's some kind of plant. The water treatment plant. I think we have to go through the power plant, plant, don't we? That's like right next to the water treatment plant. Yeah. That's like the last stretch. Yeah. Before and she on. she can fly the chopper as well, apparently. So yeah, that's really convenient. So uh, we it's it's mainly just traversal, and then when we get to the helicopter, she has to get it cranked. Apparently, is that how they work? I don't think so. <laughs> um, but she has to get it started. I'm no engineer, but you know, I'm sure it takes a little while to get a helicopter started. You know, to get it prepped for flight. But this was like a good. 10 minutes and I was just like damn this is taking a really long time yeah it was another one of those kind of really enclosed defend this or just hold out until they they get it they get it running and it was frustrating yeah I mean it didn't take me like really repeat too many repeat goes to do these kind of to clear these kind of areas but it was just kind of like there was no purpose to it you know it was just a is it done yet is it done yet is it done yet but our helicopter doesn't last too long because um, the helicopter crashes close to the power plant and um, we have to catch back up to the um, to where the crash site is. What happened? Alan, they dropped him off, I think. Yeah, because he had to do something. There was a tor- there was a tornado or something, right? And th- yeah, they they'd go to the power plant and then there's there's raven things. They're not. I can't like, remember. Doesn't Alan, Alan doesn't he just falls out? I felt like he just kind of fell out. He of fell the out helicopter. of the helicopter. Yeah, and then the helicopter crashes. Like uh, on the other side of like a ravine or yeah. something. We had to make it over to the crash. Uh, yeah, but they survived and they're now. But they're not there. Yeah, they're, they're not there. Else. But they're but they're not far away. 
Um, they're. It sounds so contrived. I know they're they're. If up, it is. Yeah, they're up the hill, and they're going toward the power plant, which is right across the way from the water treatment plant, which well, is where we need to go. The helicopter, right, is is a total wreck. They're totally fine. Alan fell out of a helicopter. He's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> Can't kill these people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we we meet back up with them. We then go through the power plant and uh, make it to the uh, water treatment plant where we eventually make it to the well-lit room, uh, which is ran by the Lady of Light, which is the woman from the very beginning of the game who was warning Alan not to go into the darkness whenever he was yes. going to go get his cabin key. See, and that, that's like another cute little moment. Like putting that in episode one and having it pay off in episode five. Yeah. You know, I like it. I like that kind of storytelling. It's just a shame what it took to get there in this episode. Here's the thing. I, I feel like Remedy came up with a pretty good storyline. You know, it's weird. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. They came up with a pretty good storyline and then put some video game around it. I agree. That's what I feel like because, and then we'll get into it whenever we talk about the ending, pretty much all, well, the next chapter, which we're getting into right now. Um, at the end of the chapter, the Lady of Light gives us something from our past, something that we can use to defeat the darkness, which is the clicker, which is the thing that his mother, Alan gave his mother gave him to him when he was a child and he also gave to his wife and it will help. Fight the darkness because if you believe in it, it will happen. It will work. See, it. Do, I, I did kind of like that whole um, cinematic kind of Alan stands surrounded by these light bulbs in this room, holding this like super device, this kryptonite, you know, kind of thing that's going to solve everything. And it's given this imbued with this great power. And the camera pans back, and he's sort of standing there, and it's it's like a it's literally just a tiny little clicker. Yep. I just, I found that quite funny. Like, in a good way, you know, like, I think that was kind of a purposeful kind of tongue in cheek. It's supposed to be, I Moment. think. Yeah, exactly. And I, I agree with you. And it plays to what you, the comment you just made, which I agree with, which is, you know, they wrote this story and the cinematic cutscenes are, are as much a part of telling and participating that, you know, in Alan's story as the game players. And like you say, the video game bits kind of just have to be shoehorned in around it. But the actual storytelling and these like cutscene bits are, are done really well. And you can tell they're really crafted quite well and they're deliberate. And, and I, I like that about this game a lot, to be honest. I liked that kind of pan back, you know, this kind of significant moment, like this powerful thing. But it's also a clicker and that's kind of funny. And that sort of tongue in cheek humor has has run through the game as well, yeah. I would say. But, uh, yeah, that's how the episode five ends and it begins with us basically, all right, we've got to go finish this. We got to go stop the darkness. How do we do that? We have to go to Cauldron Lake where it all began, which means going across the entire freaking mountain to get there. Yeah. We do get a car for a little while though. Hey, we get a car and then we walk around and we get a car. Then we walk around and we get a car again. We do it That's three times. Variation. That's variation, Drew. Not really. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, it's 
I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, this felt more like a gauntlet than it yeah. did a level. Because yeah, I, it, it was yeah. just getting from point A to point B and trying not to die while you're doing it. Yeah, and there wasn't really any... Uh, and that's what I feel really held these episode 5 and 6 back. There wasn't really... It's because really the mystery is gone at this point, right? Yeah. In terms of like what who Alan is, like what the reality is, what the story is, like that that kind of whole uncertainty about um being reluctant to believe what you're seeing or, or you're not quite kind of sure where the truth lies and what the correct truth is, even right up to episode four, I think, and, and Alan kind of wakes up in the insane asylum and you're like, oh, is this is this it? Like, is he just like a crazy schizophrenic or something? Um, but no, like that's not a part of these episodes. And I think that's why it feels a lot more kind of. I don't want to I don't mean boring, but yeah, like it's a chore, isn't it? And there's no kind of. There's no kind of mystery there or something to uncover. Like, obviously, we know we're kind of going towards some sort of ending. But at the same time, I don't I feel like the period of discovery is over. And that was what made the beginning, at least the first kind of half of this game, really intriguing. Like that kind of I want to see what happens next, like a good book or a good TV series. Right. You like the next episode you binge watch. What's the next episode? And and that, that the kind of mystique is gone by this point. It it just didn't feel there for me. So it was more kind of like, oh, like this is really boring. I need to get through this sick because I want to see the ending. Right. So, <clears throat> I mean, it, there's nothing really to talk about from yeah. the beginning <laughs> of this episode to the ending. I mean, it, there's 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 stuff to talk about the ending, but yeah. Um, the only thing I will mention is like like I said, it's like a gauntlet. You're driving. Basically avoiding guys. I avoided most of the fights in this. Yeah, there's this one thing with like the, the the whole thing where you have to like shine the light on the vehicles and the flying objects makes an unwelcome return. Yeah. In this episode as well, like I hated those sections. But yeah, the um, the 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 thing I do want to mention at the very end of this episode, complete, but pretty, pretty much the final boss is uh this darkness tornado and um so my fiance watched me play the the ending of this game uh and we sat there for probably five or six minutes and i finally had to look up how to kill this thing (laughs) it was the strangest kind of quote-unquote boss fight i think i've ever experienced (laughs) so I, i had flashed the light on everything that was in the tornado like flying around that could hit me yeah. So, so literally, I stu- I put the controller down and then Google searched on my phone how to beat the tornado. And the whole time I wasn't getting hit or anything like that. It was just a big tornado standing in front of him. And it was like, oh, you got to shoot a flare into the tornado. I'm like, why the f- – like I used every flashbang at it. I shined lights at it. I did everything except use a flare. Yeah, see, like did the whole kind of crate of – flares like unlimited flare gun ammo not there's like a whole crate there of like unlimited flare gun ammo didn't, see i took ages see to figure it <laughs> didn't see it at see, all <laughs> my mistake was um there's two platforms right and then on on 
the second to furthest platform is where the crate of like unlimited flare gun ammo is and they say the line oh you need to shoot the light in there and stuff like that so i'm just grabbing the flare gun and i'm grabbing the flares and i'm jumping over to the final platform and like the first three times i jump i get smacked out of the sky by all the crap that's flying around like you say so i do the same thing like i shine the light on some of the stuff flying around and i get rid of some of it but not all of it and i stand there for literally two minutes and i just keep shooting flare after flare after flare into this tornado and nothing is happening and i was like well shit like whatever like i finally jumped to the the final platform again and i didn't get hit because i'd got some of the stuff and shot the flare in there job done well, missed the crate man yeah i missed the crate completely i still had plenty of flare ammo because i had never used any I was like, oh, yeah. that, that's the thing. In most games, I'm like, I better save this, this, you know, heavy yeah, ammo for the, for a, for a big fight. And I Resident never, Evil has taught us well. Yeah. And I, I never use it. And so at the end of the game, I'm like, I've got 20 healing items and, and <laughs> a bunch of like grenades I could have used on the yeah. boss and I never did. But yeah, I, I can tell you it was unlimited because I was literally stood there shooting about 20 other things in there, reloading <laughs> and doing the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was, and that was the thing was like, I, I kept flashing it into the tornado itself when at the top of it, you can see the woman in black. You can see... Um, oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, Laura actually pointed that out to me. She said, there's somebody up there at the top of the tornado. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Never, never saw that. Yeah, she's at the very top of the tornado, and I shot it we at are, her. We are very unobservant. We're, we're just bad video game players. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, when we defeat the tornado... Uh, Alan then does what he was supposed to do in his book, The Departure, was to take the clicker, fall into the uh, the lake, and hit the uh, hit the clicker, and it should remove the darkness, which is what he does. And he wakes up, and he's basically writing the story in his mind as he's making his way to the cabin. Yeah. So like it's, there's it little. Was cool. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that was kind of a cool little section. I thought where, um, I, I can't quite remember how I read it, but I think it was in a manuscript page where it. See, there's these different texts that like sections of text that light up in the darkness mm-hmm. to navigate with, right? Like bed and cabin and lake and bridge and all that kind of stuff, and I. I remember, and you have to shine the light on them to progress through, yeah? Yeah. But I remember, I think it was in a manuscript page I read where it, it kind of pointed to what words you needed to do in what order. Right. I kind of thought that was cool. Yeah, they th- that was really cool. They actually explore a little bit more of that, like with the, where you see just lines of text that you have to shine light on yeah. uh, in the DLCs. That's cool. Um, I mean, I'm assuming there is no wrong way to do it, like, you can't fail it, no. Yeah, exactly. No, but you can't fail it. I quite like that it kind of came up in one of these manuscript pages. Right. And he's um he's writing his way back to the cabin. Uh when he makes it to the cabin, there is uh Barbara Jagger standing there. She has a giant hole in her chest where her heart should be. And so uh Alan um Gets one last uh, word of advice from uh, Thomas Zane in his diver outfit. Like, 
At this point, I told oh, that's so weird. It's so like, weird. At this point, Laura's like, "What is going on?" And I was exactly. like, "I don't know." I think that's the normal response. Yeah, because she hadn't seen any of this game. This is the only time she has ever seen this <laughs> game. And I was like, "I don't know." That's Thomas Zane. She's like, "Who's Thomas Zane?" I'm like, "He's Barbara Jagger's boyfriend." I, and she's like, "I thought he was dead." I'm like, "No, yes, no, yes, no." He's in the darkness. And she's the darkness? Yeah. Okay. And then we just went with it. And he's like, use the light. Use the clicker. Put it inside of her, basically. Put it in where her heart should be. Fill her heart with light. So Alan literally shoves his hand into her cavity. <laughs> and and presses the button on the clicker. You've been waiting this whole series to say that line. Yeah, I can tell. That's, that's it. <laughs> Uh, I have hit my pinnacle. Um, and uh, she's filled with light. And yeah. dissipates. Um, Alan then finds himself in the cabin alone. What he does then is that he begins finishing the departure. He sits down at the table, starts writing on the typewriter. Uh, as he's writing, we see basically what's happening in front of us. They have their wonderful deer festival. Um, Alice, his wife, is ejected from the lake. She swims to shore, and she's trying to find Alan. She's screaming for him, but she can't find him. Uh, Alan is still trapped in the darkness. And as he is writing... And we're seeing all these people. Like all the people are back to normal. Even uh, Nightingale's there, but he looks weird. Yeah, he's in a window. He's in a window. Wait, and he's out. kind of like surrounded by darkness. Yeah. Should I? Would I? Yeah. It looks like he's in the dark. Yeah. Looking outside. Um. And uh, yeah. Uh, we cut back to Alan typing. He's kind of like in this weird trance as he's typing. And he looks up at the camera. And he says, it's not a lake, it's an ocean. Boom, boom, boom. And then they cut to credits. And David Bowie comes on. There's also like one scene in this whole kind of ending bit as well. With Zane. Like Zane introduces him to this Mirror image of himself, right? Yes. That is which, Mr. Scratch. Mr. Scratch. Which comes was, up later. Yeah. That was almost the, like a throwaway moment as well. It was like, for what I think was kind of a, quite a monumental sort of sleight of hand for the narrative, I guess. You know, because like, I guess my interpretation would be like this mirror, Mr. Scratch is like a mirror of Alan. And he takes Alan's place in this real world, you know, like this real story that, he, you know, finishing the story. Mm -hmm. And it just, yeah, that it almost felt like if you blinked, you'd miss that moment. Well, that right there, and this is why I'm going to bring up this discussion of, I think they were setting up for a sequel. For sure. And they, I, mo I, yeah. and they most certainly will, but I don't know what happened because I played American Nightmare, and Mr. Scratch is the main antagonist of American Nightmare. Right. Um, 
so I'm try. Right, I'm looking at the wiki of Alan Wake, and I want to read the last paragraph because I hopefully it will explain something. Uh, the clicker, a simple light switch, has been infused with the power of Alan's writings. Alan returns to Cauldron Lake alone to face the dark presence, using his newfound ability to uh, to affect reality with his thoughts, aided by the clicker. The dark presence is dispelled, but there is no sign of Alice, and Alan believes that to maintain balance, he must give himself to the lake. As Alan sinks below the waters, Alice climbs safely out of the lake. Within the depths of the lake, Alan finds himself in the cabin and realizes that the departure is not yet finished, and turns back to the typewriter to continue the story and write his own means to be free of the lake. He comments yeah. to himself, it is not a lake, it is an ocean. I think the idea of balance is, like, that to me is an interpretation, unless that's taken from an official kind of... That's the Wikipedia article? I don't know. Um, I would say that's well, I guess true. Like it, yeah, I I wouldn't disagree. Like in terms of if we're talking about Alan as an author, you know, something a, a a story has to have like a an ending that makes sense, right? Like a kind of a cohesion. So balances would be symptomatic, but I would say so. You know. Yeah, in order for him you to end get, this, yeah. he has to go into the darkness. Yeah. Because that's that gives him the power to change things in the real world. The thing is, is that the continuation of this story goes in through the DLCs. And there's two of them. There's one called The Signal, and there's one called The Rider. Um, let's see here. Uh, I will read the synopsis for both of them. It's only like a couple paragraphs since we're not playing them. Maybe this will explain a few things. Uh, the signal. Continuing from the end of the main game, Alan finds himself in a surreal version of Bright Falls and realizes he is being held under Cauldron Lake. Zane directs Alan to follow a signal through a cell phone to focus and guide himself out of the dark place, uh, the realm where the dark presence came from and where the written word can become reality. As Alan continues to avoid and defeat various Taken, he encounters several television screens that show more a more maniacal version of Alan ranting about upcoming events, forewarning Alan of what is to come. He is also encounters uh, an ethereal version of Barry, a figment of his subconsciousness, who also helps to guide Alan safely across the abstract landscape. Zane's signal leads Alan to a sawmill, but as he explores it, he finds himself back in a setting of his city apartment. Zane appears and tells Alan that it is himself, the maniacal figure of the televisions, that is keeping him in the dark place. Alan refuses to believe oh. that he is trapping himself, but soon faces a monstrosity of several televisions with the, uh, with the irrational Alan on them and tries to kill him. Alan is able to defeat the crazed version of himself, waking up back in the cabin in the lake and realizes that he is still trapped. Now, uh, the special number two, which is called The Rider, still trapped in the dark place, Alan regains consciousness to find his memories of Bright Falls emerging after leaving an amalgamation. Amalgamation? Amalgamation, thank you. I, I don't know how to read. Um, 
uh, of Cauldron Lake Lodge and the Anderson's farm. Zane tells Alan that he must make his way back to the cabin via a lighthouse. Uh, the environments start to become exceedingly surreal, and Alan follows Zane's path, avoiding increasing numbers of Taken. Zane warns Alan that the irrational Alan is still inside the cabin, controlling the dark place, while he himself represents the rational part of Alan. The rational Alan must regain control of the dream in order to have any chance of escaping the dark place. The irrational side of Alan attempts to stop him by creating delusions of Alice, Extinguishing, extinguishing the lighthouse's light and sending armies of Taken after him. But with Zane's help, Alan eventually reaches his goal, passing through the lighthouse to reach the cabin. As he nears the cabin, an imaginary Barry appears and tells Alan that he will have to reject all the illusions before he can face off against the insane version of Alan, including the apparition of Barry himself. Alan is ready to accept that, forcing Alan to fight taken illusions of Dr. Hartman, Barry, and the Andersons, defeating them all before he is able to re-enter the cabin. His crazed side is in a paranoid state of the cab on the cabin floor, and when Alan touches him, the two are made whole again. Alan realizes that he cannot let himself fall into a delusional state again for fear of never being able to escape, and returns to the typewriter to start a new story called Return. And that's the, that's the two uh, DLCs that go along with the game itself. Now, American Nightmare um, is a little different. So, American Nightmare came out about two years later. It's not a very long game. I'd say it'd probably take you maybe four hours to complete. Right. Um. The story of American Nightmare. <clears throat> I played this and I thought it was actually really good. Uh, the plot of American Nightmare is framed by the narration of an episode of the fictional TV show Night Springs, which follows the style of the Twilight Zone and appeared on television screens throughout the original Alan Wake. Alan Wake's friend and manager Barry is asleep in a motel room. The narration explains that Alan is attempting to chase down the Herald of Darkness, Mr. Scratch who is Alan's evil doppelganger created by a dark force. Scratch is determined to take away everything Alan loves, including his wife, Alice. Alan, as the champion of light, has the ability to rewrite reality and was able to write his escape from Cauldron Lake in Washington. Hey, we found out hey. what state it's in. He ends we up, won. He ends up in, in the, near the small town of Night Springs, Arizona, and learns that he has been missing from the real world for nearly two years. A nearby oil derrick, derrick, excuse me, derrick, erupts and with several foes controlled by Mr. Scratch seeking light. Alan returns to a, the nearby hotel where he encounters Emma Sloan, who at first thinks he is Mr. Scratch since they look identical. She tells Alan that Mr. Scratch was uh, the hotel was at the motel the night before and provides Alan with a typewriter typewriter written page, a way to alter reality to destroy the derrick and stop the foes. Alan follows the instructions, which causes a meteor to collide with an artificial satellite, sending it hurtling toward the ground, where it then collides with the oil derrick. Uh, while Alan is away performing this task, the dark forces consume Emma. Wow, that is some serious physics. Yeah. So, the way this game, the way American Nightmare plays out is kind of like he's stuck in a time loop. Right. Where he, he constantly runs into Emma. She's like, oh, God, you're Mr. Scratch. He, it's like Groundhog Day. 
Yep. He, he's constantly having to explain stuff, and every every loop he gets something more done. So he's able to write something in that makes the satellite fall. Yeah. Or That's... then he writes the meteor in. Then he does this. It's really well done. I was going to say, that's that's a really kind of a, a relatively common trope in science fiction television and writing. Yeah. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head um, a video game that incorporates it to that kind of extent. You're right. I can't think of one either. So I find that kind of cool just in terms of like it's a cool thing. For game to do, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I don't want to go deeper into American Nightmare because I'll be honest with you, I suggest you play it. Okay. Um, but it's not very long. It's um, and it's actually really well done. Mister Scratch, which is basically it's it's the live action version of Alan Wake, the guy you know you've seen him on the television yeah. a couple times. It's him, but he's actually talking to the player. And he's like this evil guy. He's like, um, if you watch The Walking Dead, he's yep. a lot. He's a lot like Negan. Oh, he talks. He talks kind of like Negan. He's very uh, cocky, very brash. I have Negan fatigue. Yeah, I'm so sick of Negan. I'm I, honestly, <laughs> we I'm just totally broke that show. I'm. I'm. Kinda, it's a conversation for another day. But... <laughs> I know it is, but I'm kind of sick of The Walking Dead. The only reason why I yeah, watch it is because me, me and Dad watch it together. Yeah, just something me and my dad yeah. do together. So. But yeah, controversial opinion. <laughs> I mean, is it though? Because I don't think. No, I know. People... I don't think it is either. Because like, how I... many people are still watching The Walking Dead? I'm, I mean, I'm it, I am kind of watching it because I want to see what happens when this Negan thing is finally over. But I don't know if this Negan thing has like fundamentally broken the series to the point where I'm not sure it can go. You know, come back from right. from this. Anyway. Sidebar. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's, I mean, that's really much it. That's pretty much it. I mean, I feel like if you want to get the whole story, you had to play the two DLCs. I don't own them. In fact, I don't even know if you can get them on the PC now yeah. because they lost, sure. they lost the rights to the soundtracks. Yeah. Like they, they've delisted Alan Wake yeah. and I think even American Nightmare now. I don't think it popped up on my Steam, but I'm going to have to check. Yeah, I own American Nightmare and Alan Wake on PC, so I forever own them. But if if you don't own them on PC, I don't no think more. you can't buy them. You can't get them on Steam. So I don't know how you do that. I mean, the only thing I could think of, and I, I, like, I don't even know if they offer the DLCs on Xbox Live anymore. I'm sure there's a way. There may be a way. I don't know. That's you know what? That's that's crazy though. That's like a a weird yeah. relic of the past where yeah. I can't ever discontinued play, product, yeah, right? You can't ever play Alan Wake's DLCs because they lost the rights to the to the licensed songs. Yeah, you know, the um the only thing that reminds me of that relatively recently is um when people were selling their PlayStations with the PT demo on. Yeah. Because, like, that just disappeared, and it wasn't not getting made. And so all of a sudden, like, when, when that was all announced, people were, like, people selling their PlayStations on eBay for crazy money. It was, like, with the PT demo installed. It's, it's nuts. But it's kind of cool. It's it's not cool in the sense that I feel, obviously, people should have 
the ability to kind of experience content in games this way. But like you say, it's kind of, I, I do like that whole kind of idea of like a video game relic, you know? Yeah. Something you can't find anymore. Yeah. I wonder, I, I played the DLCs. I, 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 or at least I know I played one of them. Um, because, uh, I, I played, uh, a copy of my roommate bought. And I want to say on my account, I purchased one of the DLCs because I was like, I want more of this because I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I played the second DLC, um, but apparently in the second DLC, he escapes this this hellish nightmare and then returns in American Nightmare two years later. So I, what do you think, Sophie? What do you think of Alan Wake? Yeah, I really like the game. Like, I think um, the series has been kind of cool, right? Because the game is pretty short. I think maybe eight or nine hours for me in total. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing that I've enjoyed about doing this series is that even though, uh, especially for the first half of the game, sure, the, the episodes weren't very long, but there was a lot to talk about, about what the game did. And yeah, there were some bits where we we're like, mm, not sure this felt right or... Like you say, like a great observation about how the video game stuff is kind of wedged in a bit heavy handedly at times. And yeah. I think that's that is really that's the most jarring part of this game to me is the the, the kind of combatty sort of move Alan from A to B um, parts of or sequences, I guess, of each episode are, are, are the weakest for me. Um, I get why they do it because they have to kind of segue from one segment to another, but that was the weakest part. But what I really liked about this game, I can honestly say, um, it, it was a great feeling to play something that felt pretty unique, um, and tried to do stuff that was creative and ambitious narratively, you know, and tried to pull, you know, a, you know the, the medium of television and you know and literature and video games and kind of stitch them together in a way that i thought was really interesting yeah. and the whole idea of kind of the unreliable narrator and you just never know what the hell is going on when it comes to alan wake and the story and what the real story is i i enjoyed all of that and it sounds like that's continued in in the dlcs um you know, you could sit down and talk theories for ages, right? Yeah. About, you know, who is Thomas Zane? Is he the real author of this story? Like, is Alan crazy? Like, I think there's a lot of room for interpretation. And I kind of dig that. It, it doesn't feel like they've kind of backed out with a cheap cliffhanger ending. I, I didn't feel that way about the ending. I, I think you're right. I think it definitely feels like there was supposed to be a sequel and I buy that even in the sense that they've set this game up as episodes, right? Episode one through six. And you know, this was season one and seasons of TV shows end on cliffhangers all the time and they're picked up in season two. So for, for me, that kind of works, you know, that there's, there's a lot of unresolved threads for sure. Like, um, the American nightmare DLC seems to address the stuff with Mr. Scratch, like what's going on with Nightingale, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, there is a sense of things being left unresolved, but I feel like that's partly symptomatic of the fact that we're playing this game so much later, and 
for whatever reason there's not been like a full sequel yeah does that make sense that well so I, that's, yeah i don't know what happened because i i want to say remedy kind of fell on hard times at a point yeah um and they they then kicked it back up you know and they released quantum break which was yeah um i guess i mean i would say it's ambitious i mean they they literally did television shows yeah i remember um, I played most of Quantum Break, and I thought it was really interesting, but I was just like, a lot of this stuff is unnecessary. Yeah. Um, but they, they are, they do try to do things differently, you know, and I, and I, and I really commend them for that. Um, but I feel like they, they definitely had a vision with Alan Wake. Like, this was supposed to be like their next franchise. And, yeah. I it didn't pan out the way they wanted to because no. they had it they had it set up for a total like Alan Wake two and yeah and, and it feels that, that way yeah. like you say it feels like there's a there's a vision and it feels like they plotted out the next kind of six episodes you know yeah which would make sense and that ending I feel speaks to that and so I was not disappointed by the ending I was kind of like oh um. You know, these. This is this is kind of interesting. We could get into talking about like, what does this mean? Where's Alan? Like, it, from your descriptions of the DLCs, it still sounds as though kind of the true Alan Wake is still very much an unknown. Yeah. Um, when you kind of take into consideration Thomas Zane and Crazy Alan, we've seen Crazy Alan in this game, and then that was all a figment of the imagination or was it, you know? I I kind of like stories that have multiple versions of the same character and I think it's a really interesting way to kind of dig into kind of ideas and, and tell stories with. Yeah. So I, I, I like it as a device and I think for the most part they did a great job. The only thing that um I think held this game back a little... It is obviously about Alan Wake um, there wasn't a great deal of characterization outside of him. No. You know, and it... In terms of, like, if you're talking about Remedy's plans to have it be, like, a vision, a franchise, like, a big thing, I think that would have become problematic down the road, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like they didn't even... They didn't explore Alan Wake enough let alone yeah. any of the other characters. Um, you know, we, we got a little bit of that, like, oh, he, he, he was, he was really stressed during his tour for his new book and he was drinking and him and his wife were arguing and stuff like that. But I mean, it, it they never delve really deep into it. It was like, oh yeah, my mom, I was scared of the dark when I was a kid and my mom gave me a clicker. Yeah. It, what, yeah. They, what they needed to do was like have like a, like a, a 10 minute long cut scene of him as a kid, you know, being scared of the dark and his right. showing and, it instead of him telling us it happened. And it, I, I guess I kind of, I, I almost give them a pop because like this whole narrative is predicated on Alan Wake telling us what happened. Right. And us as players deciding whether we believe Alan's interpretation or not. So I think it would almost be kind of neat if we'd have had cutscenes from the perspective of other characters as a way to developing Alan's character as in you then have this comparison between like, you know, Alan's psyche, which we as the player, I guess, take the position of playing the game 
versus kind of pulling us out of that and looking at some looking at Alan from Barry's perspective or Alice's perspective. You know, where where Barry kind of I guess he he almost to a degree wants to believe in everything in Alan because, you know, he has a vested interest in that as his agent. And Alice would see it differently because she's his wife and it must be stressful for her to deal with Alan having a breakdown. Does that make sense? Like, I think that would have just to see Alan through the eyes of another character would have been an interesting angle. Yeah. Cause it would, it would, it would even add to more mystery of exactly. Is exactly. he crazy? Cause I mean, if exactly. it, from the, from the viewpoint of Barry, he'd be like, Alan's lost his friggin' mind. He thinks there's like crazy people trying to kill him and this yeah. darkness, you know, it would have added a lot more mystery to him than what we just got as him narrating. And we think, eh, is he telling the truth or not? You know? Yeah. And then you, that's another way to develop the other characters, right? Because then you see them through his eyes and you see his version of Barry compared to like actual Barry, you know, it, I think it would have added a really, you never know. Like, I think that would have been cool, but it, I guess in the context of these six episodes, that would have been difficult to flesh out in great detail, but in the context of like, hey, if this had been like three seasons of Alan Wake, it could have been really interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, we will not be getting that. Bummer. Or maybe we will. I don't know. Remedy's still around. You know, they um make it happen, Remedy. Yeah, they may I'm they may very well come out and say, Hey, Alan Wake <laughs> two, twenty nineteen, one day. You know, something like that. Who knows? Uh I, I don't know. Microsoft helped publish Alan Wake, I think. It may be an Xbox thing. Windows Xbox thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who owns the rights to Alan Wake. It may be Microsoft. It may just be Remedy. Or does Remedy... Is Remedy owned by Microsoft? Let's Google. Because I think... Well, Quantum Break was only an Xbox and Windows game. Is it Remedy Entertainment or Remedy Studios? Ooh, I do not know. Let me look here. Remedy. Maybe Remedy Games. It's Remedy Entertainment, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Remedy Entertainment, internationally known as Remedy Entertainment, uh, is a Finnish video game developer... Uh, company is best known for developing Max Payne, Alan Wake, yeah. and Quantum Break. Uh, no, they appear to be privately owned, so. Hmm, okay. Current projects, Remedy announced that they had formed a new team to currently work on two different projects, neither of which are, will be related to Alan Wake. Boo! In the following month, Remedy announced their partnership with Smilegate and that they would be handling a single-player story mode of Smilegate's upcoming game, Crossfire 2. Hmm. I don't know. So, looks like uh, they're not working on anything Alan Wake related right now. So, unfortunately. Oh, well. Yeah. We can speculate. We can speculate. Yeah, maybe one day. And that was the thing, Max Payne, I always thought Max Payne was made by Rockstar. Yeah. It's not. It, it, it sounds like it is. Like, it was, it, well, it was, vibe. it was published by Rockstar. 
uh, on, let's see, publisher, uh, Microsoft Windows, uh, gathering of developers on, uh, PlayStation 2, Xbox, Rockstar on OS X? Really? Okay. What about Max Payne 2? Max Payne 2 was published by Rockstar Games, period. Okay. And then Max Payne 3 was not developed by Remedy. Um, in fact, it was made by Rockstar. Because <laughs> I think Rockstar bought the rights to, to Max Payne. Right. So they now own Max Payne, um, even though, well, Remedy made it. But yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Uh, thank you, Sophie, for coming on. Oh, no, no problem. Thank you for having me. It's been will, fun. We'll have to bring you back on again. You better. We will. Um, I will have to find a, a good game to uh, bring you back on for. Maybe. For sure. I wonder when the next Dragon Age game's coming out. Well, there's Anthem coming out first, right? True. That's very true. Yeah. I, have, I have a feeling that after Anthem is Dragon Age. And then I also read sidebar that EA, EA are publishing it, aren't they? So, I don't know. Yep. Which EA published the last one? EA's published all of them. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of like microtransactions in Dragon Age and how that's going to work. <laughs> they had it in Inquisition. Oh, it's just... It was in the multiplayer. Well, yeah, I didn't play the multiplayer. I played a little bit of it. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it was one of those where you had to, you know, you had to get those loot boxes. Otherwise, you were going to have a hard time playing. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, I'm, just being, I'm messing around. I would be so hyped for another Dragon Age game. I would, too. I That's Bioware's. To me, that's the best Bioware world 100%. they've ever created. Well so over good. Mass Effect. Yeah, well over Mass Effect. But yeah, we'll get you on again. Not a problem at all. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> wow. Got strangled there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, if you want to send us an email, uh, we didn't get any this time. Uh, it's uh, drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Uh, Sophie is at SM Holiday. And uh, the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Now, uh, we just opened up a new um, Twitter account where we're going to post everything. ZT, yeah, yeah. It's ZTGD content, at ZTGD content. If you want to see all of our reviews go live, if you want to see all the podcasts that go up, that would be the best place to do it because I'm going to be posting there. I personally run that account now. Um, and I'm going to be, uh, posting all of the stuff that goes live on ZTGD there. I would suggest following that because that's where you're going to get most of it. Cause I'm going to stop, I'm stopping retweeting everything because that, it was, it was really annoying to have Ken post something and then me retweet it. And then I post something and then Ken retweet it. It was just, it was just a back and forth kind of thing. And I don't think. And then like I would retweet it and someone else would retweet it. Yeah. And so now <laughs> it's all going to be in one place. So just follow that account. Um, it's got a lot of followers. Um, so hopefully we can get our name out there and get paid for this shit. You need to get that blue tick. I, you know what? You're right. Gotta get Make that. Make it happen. Gotta get that gotta get blue that thing. Endorsement. Mm hmm. It's the real ZTGD. Yeah. Compared to the fake one, which was us yesterday. Yeah. So. That's just Ken. 
Ken's fake news. <laughs> yeah, it's just Ken. It's fake news. Uh, but yeah, um, but not really Ken. Yeah, Ken is. You, I, I will say it. <laughs> Don't worry about that. So, but uh, yeah, that's that's it for us, Sophie. Thank you so much for being on. No, uh, you guys are welcome. Like yeah. it's it's fun as always. Look forward to coming back next year. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, we're not done with this year just yet because the next game in the series is going to be Halloween in December. Uh, we're going to be playing through Dead Space 2. Oh! Yeah. Uh, Matt and I are going to be playing through that uh, because we missed out on our Halloween stuff in October. Great game. Yeah, I, I actually never finished it. So we're going to be finishing it. Not going to play on Zealot mode this time because that was too hard. <laughs> and I fucked myself. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's not going to be, yeah, I can, yeah. No, that trust, would be that rough. game is rough. That game's hard. Yeah, it is. I remember, I remember trying Dead Space 1 on Zealot mode and I was like, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's it for us. We're going to get out of here. Um, I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with the beginning of, uh, Dead Space 2 with Matt. But until then, I am Drew. I'm Sophie. And we're out of here. You guys have a great one. And we'll be back next week with Dead Space 2. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Sing countdown engines on Three, two, check ignition and may God's love be with you.